So the other day, I went back home to Font Hill, uh, Friday, actually, um, and uh, took uh, Ben and his girlfriend Molly to see uh, the house that I grew up in. Um, not much has changed since my mother sold the house, I don't know, 15 years or so ago. Um, I think it's the same paint that's on the garage door. Um, I know it's the same paint that's on the siding at the back of the house that Elaine and I painted at one point because the siding had seen better days. Um, it's definitely the same front door. Um, it, uh, it was nice to, to go back home. It was nice to see that things hadn't changed, although there was part of me that also was a little disappointed that things hadn't changed. Because, see, in 15 years, things had worn just a little bit more, right? And there was part of me that had hoped that the new owners of the house had done something to keep it up. And part of me was a little sad, thinking that maybe they haven't. So, going home, returning home can be a difficult thing. A difficult thing to do because our expectations of what we're going to meet when we return home is different. For me, for me, home is one of various spots, though. I was born in Welland and we moved to Font Hill when I was 10. I then went and did my undergrad in a co-op program in Waterloo, so I've lived in Welland and Font Hill and Waterloo and London and Oshawa and Toronto and Ingersoll and Kitchener, St. Catharines, Dundas, here twice. Home. Home is sometimes, sometimes a different place. There is one place, though, uh, that I have never lived, but as soon as I visited, I knew I was home. It's actually the Isle of Iona. You take two ferries off of the mainland of Scotland to get to it. The only cars that are allowed on it are the ones of the residents. The visitors aren't allowed to take their vehicles on the Isle. And when I stepped on it, even though I was born here and grew up here, and the rain on Iona comes sideways, I was home. I just knew within myself that somehow I was home. Well, as I already said, sometimes going home isn't exactly the way that it's expected to be. I really had expected there would be changes to the house I grew up in, changes to the garden, changes to the garage door that really needed to be replaced when my mother sold the house. Changes. I had expected that things would be different. Things were different in the town, though. When I left the town of Font Hill, we had one and a half traffic lights. One and a half. Because the other half was in Welland. It was on the border between the two. 
and all of a sudden there were traffic lights in places that I didn't expect them to be. Fortunately, I saw them, and I stopped when needed. Going home and our desire to go home can produce a sense of nostalgia, a sense of familiarity, a sense that somehow, that if we can just get back to those days, things would be better. I pointed out to Ben and Molly as we were driving through the street that I lived on where all of my friends lived which houses had kids my age in them. My friends now are scattered through Canada and the States and Europe and the British Isles. None of us live there anymore. If I had gone home expecting to find Mike at the door or Ian screaming at the end of the street as he always did I wasn't going to find them there and maybe it's better maybe it's better that it's it's a case of when we go home things aren't exactly what we expect them to be maybe it's better that they're not because then we can think about what our expectations really are really what we were expecting. What is better, though? Would it be better to return to a time and to return to a place that is just so familiar? Today's reading from Ezra, and uh, where's Jean hiding after having to read that? Today's reading from Ezra, though, marks the time that God's people finally get to go home, right? The exile will end as a Persian king turns to God and releases God's people to go home. And if they decide themselves not to go home, they're directed by the king that they should support the ones are going to go home, not just in their thoughts and prayers, but with their shekels, with their money, to support them in the rebuilding of home. Thus says King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of those among you who are of his people, may their God be with them, are now permitted to go up to Jerusalem and Judah and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem and let all survivors in whatever place they reside be assisted by the people of their place with silver and gold, with goods and with animals, besides free will offerings for the house of God in Jerusalem. With all of the support of the people who did return home, 
and the people who didn't but supported them financially, God's people are finally able to rebuild the temple. Finally take worship back into that place that had been in ruin. Often I think in these days in the church, we hope that we could rebuild the grandeur of all of the congregations that we're in, right? If we could just be as full as we were 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago, wouldn't that be great? They set up the altar on its foundation because they were in dread of the neighboring peoples. And they, bur- they offered burnt offerings upon it to the Lord morning and evening. And they kept the festival of booths as prescribed and offered the daily burnt offerings by number according to the ordinance as required for each day. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we had enough people to worship here day and night? You'd all come for both services seven days a week. You'd love that, wouldn't you? I know I would. You would think. You would think that this type of rebuilding, this type of returning home, this type of activity of worshiping back in the place that they had come from would bring joy to God's people. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of families, old people who had seen the first house on its foundations, wept with a loud voice when they saw this house. Though many shouted aloud with joy, so that the people could not distinguish the sound of joyful shout from the sound of people's weeping. For the people shouted so loudly that the sound was heard far away. It would have been difficult and confusing for God's people to go back home, to be in their own land, to be able to worship as they once did, and yet still living with the reality of Persian rule. They might have been back in the temple, but it wasn't the way that it once was. The nostalgia, the return to what was familiar that some would have hoped for, they would have realized would never come. However, this story is one that is certainly with God. It is not just a case of returning to a familiar place and returning to familiar worship. The amazing part of this story, for me, is the role of the Persian king. See, when we conquer lands, we don't let people go back to them. Right? The fact that the Persian king does this is quite remarkable. To allow people to go home and to continue living and worshiping the way that they had been is a huge point in the story. 
because what the Persian king says is that it is your God who has given me all of this land. Not my God. And God at that point was regional. You might have had a God for Burlington and a different one for Oakville and definitely a different one for Ancaster or Hamilton or Stony Creek. But your God, who resides in Jerusalem, is the one that I understand that is more powerful than I. Nostalgia can be powerful. Desire to return home can be powerful. Because it's comfortable. And God knows there are days that we need that comfort. But desiring to return home just for the sake of comfort, as opposed to desiring to return home to be with our God, are two different things. See, in the midst of this journey, God's people go with their God. Isn't that what we're called to do? First and foremost, forget the nostalgia, forget the, the, the desire for things to be the same. Remember, remember the comfort that really comes from knowing our God. We know that we live in a different world than we used to. One that changes more quickly than we'd want to admit. But if we can lay the foundation of our lives in that same spot, that'll eventually be the cradle in a week and a half's time. We can lay the foundation of our lives in the stories of the scriptures. We can lay the foundation of our lives in the birth of Jesus. Doesn't matter what the temple looks like anymore because God will be alive in us in a way that truly brings us life. And for that, we give thanks. Amen.